Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. As always, my name is Mung. Hey, everybody. It's Los. We are through, oh, well, almost through week one. We, of course, have the debut, the the re-debut of John Gruden, Chucky, back at the helm. You excited for that game, Mung? Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see uh, some crazy plays, but more likely uh, we'll see some terrible defense without Khalil Mack there. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm ready to see a disaster, a big old stink bomb being dropped in Oakland. To be fair, uh, playing the Rams week one isn't exactly uh, the easiest task at hand, but uh, it's probably going to be a crazy game because that's how the rest of these week one games have been going. Uh, A lot of unlikely fantasy heroes, a lot of busts already, and season-ending injuries to discuss, and just uh, everything in between. Uh, (laughs) How's your teams doing so far? Always the hardest week to project. Um, Some good, some bad. In, uh, In our league of note, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm pretty happy about that. And then in the league I set up, of course, uh, which we know we had a little we had a couple draft snafus happen. The Internet sort of uh, played games with me, but uh, that one I'm not doing so well. And I guess I happen to be losing to you in that one, don't I? I'm sure I'm sure I'll hear more about that. Uh, Probably. Uh, In fact, maybe you'll hear a little bit right now because I I distinctly recall you questioning uh, my taking Tyree kill in the second round. I did. Um, but we will we will get to him in just a little bit. Uh, what do you say? Let's get through uh, the week two previews here, yeah? Sure. Um, but first, we will start with the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. As always. Uh, so an unlikely hero emerged in the NFC South race, and his name is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Analysts and fans alike mostly wrote off the Buccaneers during Jameis Winston's suspension, especially week one against a tough New Orleans team. And yet, Fitzmagic was brilliant, throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions, and adding another rushing touchdown. Tampa Bay would hold on in the shootout to win the game 48-40. Get your close shave like Ryan Fitzpatrick with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you. Order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. Yeah, just the perfect microcosm of why the first week is so difficult to predict. I don't know what happened here. I still don't think the Bucks are that good of a team. I don't know. I don't think that the uh, the Saints have that bad of a defense. I think they just looked through this team thinking, yeah, this is the bottom of our division. Let's play on to week two. And they got spanked. You know, they, they didn't answer the bell. That's why you play the games. You can't win on paper. Thanks, coach. That's very true, but uh, en route to that uh, terrible loss, we did get to see uh, some amazing performances by Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, Deshaun oh Jackson, and Alvin Kamara. I, I think if you had like multiple players in that game going for you in fantasy, you pretty much won your week. Bar none. Um, but let's start with the Thursday night preview for week two, which is going to be Baltimore at Cincinnati. Yeah, what a uh, what a game for Baltimore here. 40 points versus the hapless Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills ha- have no team right now. 
Baltimore played around a little bit with both quarterbacks. It's going to be interesting to see if this develops into anything, having Flacco in a bit, having Lamar Jackson in a bit. Uh, I'd avoid Flacco this week. It's a short week on the road, divisional game, Thursday night. You know all the cliches about a uh, about putting up a bad game for your offense. Um, and despite all the points they put on Buffalo, there was a complete mishmash of running back usage throughout the game. Alex Collins, uh, seven carries only for 13 yards and a touchdown. Buck Allen, four carries for 17 yards and a touchdown. Kenneth Dixon, 13 carries, actually, 44 yards and a touchdown. Probably got more carries due to that blowout, but all those touchdowns are not going to come every week. And I I try to sell or cash in on one of these backs if you happen to own them, if I can. Um, they didn't really you know, build any of my confidence with Alex Collins by just giving them seven carries, even though, you know, they had the blowout. This is week one. You've got to give your guys some reps. Um, and then even all the wide receivers, they were fine this game. Yeah, but they were all puffed up by touchdowns despite low volume days. Uh, the team isn't bad, but it just isn't this good either. Um, so first off, I'm going to completely just interrupt you and say Robbie Anderson just scored a 40 yard touchdown. That was a pretty well, it's amazing about darn throw. time. Um, speaking of getting spanked, the Lions look terrible right now. Um, That's that Matt Patricia defense working for you, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Um, and on offense, too, Stafford looks like Sam Darnold. Yeah, worse. <laughs> yeah, and vice versa. Um, but getting back to Baltimore here, I'm not too worried about Alex Collins. For me, I, I think, really, they brought in Kenneth Dixon when the game got out of hand. No reason to risk your starters there. Um, and and by the, in that same vein too, Kenneth Dick, Kenneth excuse ah I can't say his name right now. Kenneth Dixon um, is actually going to be missing some time with an injury. So really, uh, I'm not worried about Collins or Buck Allen here. Uh, you get I, too excited saying that name, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, uh, this Baltimore defense is legit. Uh, even though Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen sucking certainly helps. Um, I do agree that while Flacco played an excellent game week one, he'll be, you know, not the greatest streaming QB2 candidate uh, for this week. I'd avoid him, uh, as you said, on a short week facing a divisional rival. Just not great circumstances for him. Um, nothing you really want to tempt fate with. And even though Collins was inefficient on the ground, uh, I'm not too worried about him being the lead back, especially near the goal line. Uh, Buck Allen did get a touchdown here as well, but... Uh, there's plenty to go around. I, I like this Ravens offense. Um, in general, the receivers are going to be a little bit hard to project here. Uh, for me, I think I'd stick with Crabtree as a weekly wide receiver three play. Um, I, I really don't love Snead. If I had to pick one of the other guys, it'd be Brown. But both of those guys are just going to be boomer bust wide receivers um, that I only target in deeper leagues or for DFS. And even though Flacco loves his tight ends, I'm avoiding those guys as well uh, with that split there. Way too big of a split. Boyle had a, Boyle had the six targets. Max Williams got highlighted on, highlighted on TV. They drafted two rookies. Just ridiculous. Anyways, on the other side of the football, uh, Cincinnati. Not not a ton for me to say about the Bengals. Uh, kudos to you, Mung, on a nice pick uh, with Dalton as a quarterback stream last week. Uh, but I like him far less this week versus Baltimore. A.J. Green's a wide receiver one, of course. Joe Mixon's developing and may now be a solid uh, low-end right, uh, running back one. Last week, he went 17 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown with five catches on seven targets for 54 yards. They are throwing him the football, and he's just another great running back from last year's phenomenal draft class that we got spoiled with. 
Giovanni Bernard only had one carry. So this is Mixon's backfield now. Nothing like last year. Uh, I'm not touching Ross or Eifert just yet. Ross had one catch for a three-yard touchdown. Um, not not enough to write home about or go crazy on your waiver wire. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I yep. did I did bench Jimmy Garoppolo for Andy Dalton in a couple of leagues, and I'm very glad that I did. Uh, but that said, you're certainly right. I'm probably going to either bench or drop Dalton this week against that tough, tough Ravens D. Um, I would downgrade Mixon a little bit to a mid to low end RB2, but Ooh. just given how good Baltimore's run defense is, they completely shut down LaShawn McCoy and the Bills. And I understand the Bills are terrible in general, but really Baltimore's run defense is platinum. Um, I still do like Mixon just because he is getting that bell cow workload, though. As for A.J. Green, I've got him as a high-end wide receiver, too, this week. Uh, I could see some tough sledding for him as well here. Um, I, I just really don't like Cincinnati, even at home. It, it seems like whenever Baltimore and Cincinnati play each other, it's just a kind of a slugfest of a game back and forth. Um, and as you mentioned, I'd probably fade Eifert here. He is splitting snaps right now, so it seems like the coaches have decided that his body can't handle a full-time role just yet. Um, so until we see that change, I'd keep Eifert on the bench, but I wouldn't drop him. The upside is definitely still there. Uh, give me the Ravens on the road here on Thursday night. Yep, I will take the Ravens as well. All right, Kansas City goes to Pittsburgh. Uh, did I tell you that I was excited to see Kansas City play or not? 38 points versus the Chargers, who everybody says is one of the top defenses in the league. 256 yards and four touchdowns for Pat Mahomes. Granted, you know, a couple of them were short little, you know, are they actually passes? Well, yeah, the way, the way the rule is written, they are passes. So that's eight free points you got there. Uh, some short touchdowns, some long touchdowns, a rec uh, receiving touchdown, seven catches, 169 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Sorry, a return touchdown and two receiving touchdowns on seven catches for 169 for Tyreek Hill. Just fun. Very fun to watch. Uh, the wealth will be spread around more uh, in the weeks to come, but it's hard to see Hill as anything other than a wide receiver one after that week performance. Sammy Watkins went just three catches on five on five targets for 21 yards, but I'm not giving up. Uh, somehow just one catch on six targets for Travis Kelsey. Kareem Hunt, 16 carries, 49 yards with zero catches. They scored quickly here. They scored in bunches. L.A. actually dominated the possession time, and Kansas City didn't really leave them time to breathe. They just scored quick. That's not going to happen every week. Kareem Hunt will do better. He'll have more runs. He'll catch the football. Don't lose faith in any of these players. Don't lose hope. Yeah, definitely don't need to panic on Kareem Hunt just yet. He did get quite a bit of work, and the touchdowns will come with them. Um, but, yeah, I, I also love me some Chiefs in fantasy, and I love me the Cheetah in fantasy. Uh, but all that said, I would fade Mahomes on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's going to be a high-variance QB, too. But, you know, you're starting Hunt. You're starting Hill, of course. And, yes, even Travis Kelsey, despite a rough week one, um, he'll get back on track here. I'm not worried about him at all. Now, Mahomes has shown that he has the arm to make any Chiefs receiver blow up any given week. Uh, but... I'd probably avoid Watkins until we see him used more. He just he has that yep. weekly upside, but like we saw against the Chargers, he's got a low, low floor week to week. Yes, though keep in mind Watkins was facing those tough corners in uh, in L.A., whereas Tyreek Hill, as we saw in that game, was hitting those underneath routes and just cutting them, burning them for deep. As for Pittsburgh, uh, do you still not believe in road Ben Roethlisberger? A single-digit fa uh, fantasy day, five turnovers, and a tie 
with Cleveland for their best start since I think the 70s or something, 0-0-1. Uh, watch for a return to form here, though, and hopefully the return of Le'Veon Bell. We're still not sure about that. Start Bell and Brown, of course, and Connor as a running back one if Bell does not show up to play. Very impressive day for James Connor. 31 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns with five catches, six targets, 57 yards. They sent a message to Le'Veon Bell. We'll see what the uh, what the message received was, though. The kid can play. Juju Smith-Schuster put up 119 yards on just five catches. He has the chance to do that weekly. Gosh, I like him as a wide receiver, too, again this week in a week that the Steelers will need to move the ball against Kansas City. Yeah, we're, we're in agreement here. We're pretty much just never trust Big Ben on the road, but... Um, as you said, I do have him ranked as a low-end QB1 this week at home against a pretty atrocious Kansas City defense. Um, we saw Phillip Rivers just tear them up. And I don't have Connor quite as high as you, but I do have him as a low-end RB1. Um, he got exactly 100% of the snaps uh, of all Pittsburgh running backs. So clearly he's a workhorse just like Le'Veon Bell was. Um, of course, you're starting Antonio Brown. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster here, a boomer bust wide receiver three for me, but I definitely lean towards starting him uh, this week against that Chiefs defense. And for now, it seems like he can drop James Washington and redraft, given his lack of involvement at all in the game plan, really. But uh, I do still have Washington on my watch list if anything were to happen to Brown or Juju. And one last thing, uh, for me, as long as Vance McDonald is out with that mysterious injury of his, uh, Jesse James seems to be a viable streaming option in PPR. I have him as a high-end tight end two this week uh, if McDonald is out again. Steelers return home. Big Ben at home. Angry, angry about that loss. Uh, for, first road start for the season for the second-year guy, Mahomes. Give me Pittsburgh at home. Yep, I will take the Steelers as well. Miami at the New York Jets in a, uh, in a thrilling matchup for the NFC East. Uh, Miami gave me a very infuriating game to watch I, I couldn't imagine being there for eight hours 18 hours whatever it was if it was eight it might as well have been 25 hard to make much of this team with the two huge delays and their opponent losing their starting quarterback though Tannehill wasn't good but he wasn't necessarily awful I don't want him either way the run game was divided between Gore and Drake and again it wasn't good but it wasn't awful Kenny Stills was really the only player of note with four uh, four catches on five targets 106 yards and two touchdowns but this was without Devontae Parker playing as well. My guess is he'll be a flexor better most weeks, whether Parker's there or not. He's really one of the better options, more more solid options on this team. Well, Stills is just a really good player in general, and he seems to always be overshadowed when he was in New Orleans and now when he's in Miami. Yeah, I, I think he'll be a fine wide receiver three even once Parker comes back. But for right now, uh, if, if Parker's out again this week, then I have him as a mid-level wide receiver too. Uh, Tannehill's targeting him, uh, especially in the red zone, and he's producing, so why bench him? Um, but otherwise, this game didn't really tell us anything that we didn't already know. Uh, you know, I'm not starting Ryan Tannehill in one-quarterback leagues. Uh, even though Drake out-touched score quite a bit, uh, they're both just flex plays for me. I, I don't necessarily trust Drake just yet. Um, and despite the preseason hype on Mike Kosicki, he's just a low-end tight end, too, until we see some development there. We've, we've always known that rookie tight ends take a while to develop. Um, yeah, on to, on to the Miami side, I guess. Yeah, as for the Jets, this is not a team that I was super excited for heading into this season at all. Um, 
the game's going on right now, so we're not entirely certain just yet what the splits between Crowell and Powell will be. They're pretty even right now, which makes me pretty unexcited to have either of them on my team, much less my bench. Um, Robbie Anderson was exciting last year, but we'll see if that remains with Anunwa back and playing. And it looks like Anunwa is actually sort of dominating the target share as of right now. Eight targets, five catches, 42 yards though Robbie Anderson did have that one reception for 41 yards and a touchdown so far. So um, sort of the same song and dance for him as last year. If you can uh, if you can stomach the bad games, then maybe you can uh, enjoy the good games with Anderson. Yeah, um, I don't have a ton to add here fantasy-wise. I think you hit on the important guys here, Crowell and Bilal Powell, both RB3 or flex plays for me in PPR. Um you know, I, I preferred Anderson, but so far tonight, as you said, Anunwa has been dominating in terms of targets, and maybe I, I need to adjust my evaluation here. Um, and I actually Did you happen to notice the uh, mo- Did you happen to notice the last move in our league of note. Uh, I believe someone picked up uh, Anunwa. Is that right? Well, who was that? Was it you? That was me, baby. Oh, all right. Um, well, unfortunately, my team is so good, I don't have room for these kind of lottery oh, ticket guys. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Trust the process, baby. Rebuild. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, I think that's a that's a very good pickup, especially in Dynasty. Uh, you know, Anuno was a highly touted name a couple of years ago when he was healthy, and he, he produced very well. He was a wide receiver, too, for a stretch. Um, and I, I got to say, I'm just very impressed by how well Sam Darnold's playing right now. Yeah, this is his first game, and he's... You know, he's playing like a veteran. Yeah, uh, call me crazy. I know I marked, uh, well, I, I uh, Are you going to beat about, me to it? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm switching in, I'm switching to the Jets, man. The Jets are going to take this game at home. Uh, he, you know, I was thinking the exact same thing because in, in our notes here, we both had picked Miami. Um, uh, give me, give me like five seconds. Let me think about this. Uh, I'll I'll stick with Miami, but I'm right. very tempted to switch to the Jets. I think it's I have be close. no confidence in this at all. This is a pick 'em for me. <laughs> all right, sounds good. All right, Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. You are Super Bowl defending champion Eagles. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, Super Bowl defending champion Eagles. What am I talking about? Might be in trouble if they don't get Carson Wentz back soon. Uh, luckily. They get, they get to play Tampa's defense this week, and Philadelphia's defense should carry them just fine. Foles is not an option, though, after sh- that showing versus Atlanta. It, it may be tough for this offense to get things going uh, week to week without Wentz. Obviously, you're playing Zach Ertz, who had a solid 10 targets, unfortunately only for five catches, 48 yards. For as long as Jeffrey's out and Foles is ineffective with other deep route receivers like Mike Wallace um, and the other guys that run deep, uh, Mac Hollins and whatnot, Aguilar presents a great floor PPR uh, wide receiver for flex value. Um, Eight of 10 for only 33 yards here, but hey, that's 12 points, which should improve. You would expect eight catches to get you more than 33 yards. Uh, As for the run game, Sproles got the first carries and seven targets, but Ajayi's the only back I would play for now. A running back two this week after a 15 for 62 with two touchdown line and most of the important carries in the second half of this game uh drop Corey clement if you had stashed him as a late round pick like i did there's just too much sharing between clement and sproles yeah so reports out of philadelphia right now are that both carson wentz and alshon jeffrey are unlikely return week two um 
it's possible that Wentz will be back week three, but for now we're assuming that Foles is going to start. And really, despite Foles' ineptitude, <laughs> the Eagles got the win against the Falcons. And I imagine that they'll they'll get by with Foles again this week, but I'm not starting him in fantasy if you if I can help it. Um, and as you said, Ertz is a top five tight end. Just in terms of target share, he'll be better once Wentz is back. But for now, you're still starting him. Um, Aguilar, too, he'll be a nice low-end wide receiver, two or high-end wide receiver, three in PPR. And I do still have Mike Wallace as a boomer bust wide receiver, four. Uh, we saw Ted Ginn get free for a long touchdown against that Tampa Bay secondary yesterday. And I'm really not sold on Jay Ajayi. Um, you know, it's, this is a full-blown running back by committee in Philadelphia. I have him as just a high-end RB3 this week who really is going to need to score to be relevant in fantasy. He's going to be a very touchdown-dependent player. Uh, and honestly, if anyone in your league uh, believes that he's going to be an RB1 this year based on that week one performance, you know, I, I would sell as soon as I can. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to get some sort of – if you could upgrade to a running back one, I completely agree. Um, as for Tampa Bay, wow, as you uh, alluded to earlier – Bucks put up 530 yards of offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Unfortunately, Philadelphia also watched the game. They took some notes, and they will not let this happen. But, geez, that was impressive. I, I don't like Fitzpatrick this week, and Barber is a running back three, but will have uh, basically all the carries for this team. Uh, these receiving lines are just so impressive, though. Mike Evans, seven catches, seven targets, 147 yards, and a touchdown which is even more impressive next to Deshaun Jackson going 5-for-5 five five for 146 yards in two touchdowns. Chris Godwin even got in on the action, three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Evans is a definite start, of course, but I just don't feel this is a good week for Deshaun Jackson, uh, especially since I don't expect the Philadelphia offense to be scoring many points behind Nick Foles here. Yeah, I, I see Fitzpatrick turning back into a pumpkin this week against a brick wall of a defense here. Um, as you mentioned, Barber does seem to be getting the majority of the work, which keeps him in that flex play area for me, but I'm not expecting a whole lot against the Eagles defense here. Um, and Deshaun Jackson uh, may not even play. He's got to clear that concussion protocol first. Uh, if he does play, though, I have him as a low on flex. Uh, obviously, you're starting Evans as a wide receiver one, regardless of Jackson. Um, but Godwin would just be a boomer bust wide receiver four if Jackson plays. Uh, but if Jackson doesn't play this week, uh, I think Evans gets a couple slots bumped up into that mid-level wide receiver one range, um, and then I would bump up Godwin as well to a low-end flex play. Uh, as for the tight ends here, just to mention, neither O.J. Howard nor Cameron Braid got many looks from Fitzpatrick here, and both are going to be just desperation tight end twos for now. Um, but it is important to note that Jameis Winston likes targeting his tight ends. So depending on your bench size, depending on your league size, uh, I consider holding on to Howard or Brait if you drafted them. Not looking good for uh, Dynasty Jameis Winston owners, though, honestly. Uh, you know, one more game like that and Fitzmagic might uh, might pull uh, Winston out of the hat. Uh, I was going for a good, great metaphor there. Lost it. Just forget about it. Uh, no surprises <laughs> here. Philadelphia is going to win. Yeah, uh, give me Philly as well. All right. Wow, sorry. Cleveland at New Orleans. Cleveland pulled off a, uh, well, they pulled off a tie. Not a win, a tie. That's just so Cleveland. Tie on a rainy day at home. Don't expect storms to strike twice here. Breeze is home and angry. But the Cleveland offense may have some fantasy hope for you this year. Tyrod Taylor went 197 yards with a touchdown and interception. 
with 77 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, which is good for 23 points. He has that upside weekly, of course, until Baker Mayfield takes over. Carlos Hyde was the workhorse here with 22 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown and one catch, followed not closely by Duke Johnson, five carries for 17 yards and just one target. Eight yards receiving for Duke Johnson. Nowhere near that running back two status we were accustomed to last season. Sorry, Dukey. Uh, Nick Chubb did get on the field, but that is not, but but is not yet fantasy relevant. Um, just a hold if you've got very deep benches, um, you know, dynasty leagues, only that sort of thing. Height is running back two for me, but that's about it for the running backs at this point. As for the wide receivers, uh, Landry had 15 targets, but Gordon was uh, limited a bit. Uh, in playtime by his coaching, not as much as they had indicated pregame, um, but he was definitely limited by the work that uh, the quarterback actually gave him. Gordon did catch a touchdown on one of his three targets. This week, I expect Gordon to be out there more running bigger routes, Tyrod throwing that deep ball to him more, which he loves doing. He's not that accurate um, in particular, but he chucks that deep ball very frequently. Landry's a wide receiver, too, and Gordon is a high upside flex here, especially against the Saints. As for David Njoku, I'm, I'm avoiding for now until I see a little more of what this offense intends to do with all these playmakers that, all are, that are around the field. He disappointed you last week, but I don't know, practically all except two tight ends disappointed you last week. Yeah, I really don't have much to add here on Cleveland. Um, I mostly agree with your assessments. Uh, the only thing I will add here is that I would say that Tyrod Taylor is going to be a viable streaming option at quarterback if you're desperate here. Um, this could be another shootout down in New Orleans, and Taylor could be awful, or he could have another top 10 fantasy quarterback finish this week, especially with you know the rushing yards that he adds. And like you said, he does take those deep throws, and sometimes he'll throw a pick, but sometimes it'll be a long touchdown. As for the Saints, clearly the New Orleans defense needs a few extra reps in practice, maybe run a few extra, run some laps, do some more push-ups. Uh, but that just keeps this offense firing on all cylinders. Breeze is going to be angry about that loss despite his 440 yards and three touchdowns. He's good to go as a quarterback one. Mike Gillisley sealed his fate in this game by fumbling early on. He had a great opportunity to have running back two value until Ingram came back. Now, nothing. Sorry, bud. Enjoy the, uh, you know, enjoy the unemployment line. Instead, Camaro now will have all the work leading into lines like yesterday's eight carries, 29 yards, Two touchdowns, plus nine catches on 12 targets, 112 yards, and a touchdown. 40 points. Disgusting. Michael Thomas set a Saints record with 16 catches with 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Cleveland defense does look a little stouter than Tampa Bay's, but Breeze and company should have a lot of fun at home here. Yeah, you're starting Breeze. Uh, of course, you're starting Kamara and Mike Thomas, both top three options at their respective positions here. Um, I, I will note one thing about Kamara. Uh, obviously, you're not selling high or selling him or anything, but uh, I do believe that Mark Ingram will cut into that workload when he returns. So I wouldn't expect Kamara to be this, you know, for sure RB1, uh, you know, every single week. Um, but that said, obviously, uh, you know, he's one of the top five at that position. And behind them, actually, I, I like Ted Ginn as a risk reward wide receiver for here. And I still do like Benjamin Watson as a high-end tight end, too. I've been saying that for a while. Um, you know, he's really uh, the best red zone target that they have behind Mike Thomas. Uh, and uh, speaking of, uh, Cameron Meredith doesn't need to be rostered anywhere. Um, I, I've argued for that, uh, you know, all over Twitter. But uh, really, he's been completely uninvolved. And this is the Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara show. 
Uh, I'm really rooting for a tie here. My heart wants the tie, but I'll take New Orleans. Yep, give me the Saints, too. Indianapolis at Washington. Indianapolis just lost a tough game versus Cincinnati, featuring an ugly interception from Luck uh, in the red zone early. But but an overall nice day with 300-plus yards, two touchdowns. If Luck is healthy, he's an every-week quarterback one. The rest of this team is a hard call. Jordan Wilkins seems to have the early work with more reception and passing downs going to Naheem Hines later as expected but Mac may be back here and I just avoid these running backs if possible and let it settle itself out hopefully they're nothing more than flex options for your team Um, they're currently poor ones at that T.Y. Hilton led wide receivers with 11 targets five catches 46 yards and a touchdown he's a wide receiver too as this team continues to gel with luck back there Uh, Ryan Grant actually had nine targets and appears to be the wide receiver, too. If if that excites you at all, I'm not that interested. Um, Too too much else is going on with Ebron and Doyle combining for 15 targets, 110 yards, and a touchdown. I just don't think this team's going to be able to sustain that many players on a week-to-week basis. Um, I'm not necessarily sure you're right there because this Colts defense is not good. I I do think that Jack Doyle is going to be the guy you want. Um, particularly in PPR, I, uh, you know, I, I, he doesn't have a high ceiling, but he's a low, or excuse me, he doesn't have a high ceiling, but he doesn't have a high floor week to week as a tight end one. Um, and he's, as you mentioned, as long as luck is healthy, T.Y. Hilton will be a fine wide receiver too. Uh, and you mentioned Ryan Grant with nine targets, and he does seem to be playing a big role even though there's still a lot of uncertainty, you know, we only have a one-week sample size here, and I wouldn't want to rely on starting Ryan Grant just yet, uh, but I do think he'll make for an interesting pickup, especially if this kind of target share picks uh, continues on uh, throughout the season, and we're going to talk more about Grant at the end of our show in the waiver wire section here. On the other side of the football, Alex Smith was efficient and did what he needed to do as the defense handled what Arizona had to offer, which was not much. I like him as a quarterback stream this week. Uh, Adrian Peterson is a solid running back two option. He ran very hard last week for 165 combined yards and a touchdown. Chris Thompson maintained his flex value with 120 combined yards, a touchdown, and six uh, catches. The problems come in with the wide receivers. Doxson, Richardson, and Crowder combined for eight catches, 65 yards on 13 total targets between them. That might work here versus Indianapolis, but that is not a recipe for prolonged success. Jordan Reed scored a touchdown since he was healthy, of course. If he's good to go, start him. Tail as old as time. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd call Alex Smith a streaming option. Um, He is owned in 73.3% of ESPN leagues and 62% of Yahoo leagues, but I certainly do like him as a low-end QB1 against Indy if he's available in your league. Uh, As you said, Peterson looked phenomenal behind a stout Washington offensive line, and he even got a few looks in the passing game. Uh, He'll be a high-end RB2 for me this week, and Thompson's a RB3 or flex option in PPR. I like Paul Richardson the most out of the Washington wide receivers if I had to pick one, but I think Alex Smith is going to spread the ball around a little bit, making it hard to predict week to week. Um, I would rank Richardson as a low-end flex play this week. Washington seems to have Jordan Reed on some sort of snap count, uh, much like I mentioned with Tyler Eifert. Uh, it looks like these teams who have these uh, often injured tight ends are just trying to preserve their health, but Reed is still low-end tight end one, given the upside against a bad Colts secondary here. 
And for me, Doxson's probably droppable at this point in redraft, uh, you know, but I'd hold on to Crowder for at least another week or two to see if he gets more involved here. Um, and certainly if Jordan Reed hurts something or other, I do think that Crowder would be the biggest beneficiary here in terms of an increased target share. Definitely seems that way. Give me Washington at home here versus Indy. Yep, give me Washington also. All right, the L.A. Chargers look to bounce back against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, despite the loss, the offense was good and should be very good this week in Buffalo. Look to Rivers as a quarterback one. Gordon and Allen, of course, ones in their respective positions. Uh, Mike Williams was showing signs of a possible breakout coming. Add him if he's unowned. He could be a difference maker as the season progresses. Um, a couple missed passes in the end zone would have changed this guy. Would have changed this day for this team and, and given them the win versus Kansas City. I think there were three uh, three dropped touchdowns in the end zone. Yeah, I'm fine with starting Rivers, Gordon, and Keenan Allen, as you mentioned. Uh, and Mike Williams will definitely be discussing on the waiver wire section at the end of the show, but he certainly has wide receiver three upside given all the Chargers' injuries on defense uh, and the likely pass-heavy game scripts to follow. Antonio Gates also looked like, looked his age lumbering around and garnering only three targets in the shootout. Um, I don't think Gates needs to be rostered here because good luck predicting you know which three or four weeks in the year that he'll happen to get a touchdown. Uh, I do want to talk about Austin Eckler, though. Uh, his usage shot up in the second half of last season, and even though the Chargers want to involve Melvin Gordon more, in the passing game, Eckler's getting quite a bit of work, and he's got the speed to break those long touchdowns. Uh, I think Eckler's worth a look if you need help at running back in deeper leagues here. Very talented, undrafted player coming out of college. Uh, as for Buffalo, wow, it's it's somehow worse than I'd imagined for that team. 47-3 to loss versus Baltimore. Two interceptions from Peterman, who went 6-15 of 15 for 75. Uh, uh, no, uh, then Josh Allen followed with 6-15 of 15 for 74 yards. Uh, this was a playoff team last year, people. Ouch. LaShawn McCoy went seven carries, 22 yards. He will be better, but this offense will not score many points and will not have many sustained drives. My heart wants to call him a running back two, but my head says he's a running back three and to avoid him if at all possible. Kelvin Benjamin led the team with seven targets, converting one catch for 10 yards. Run away from this team and never look back. Uh, I can't disagree with that. Um... Uh, part of this was due to a, a stifling Ravens defense, but both Peterman and Allen just looked hashtag not good. Uh, I have real concerns about LaShawn McCoy as well, not even beyond you know that whole home invasion snafu. Um, I've, I avoided him in pretty much all my drafts, and I'd honestly sell him at this point if you can get even like 60 cents on the dollar. Uh, you know, not every game is going to be as bad as this, but Buffalo plays the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Packers the next three weeks. Uh, these game scripts are not going to go well for McCoy. Uh, he's not going to see a ton of carries. And even if he gets a few receptions in PPR, that's not really going to save his, uh, you know, that's not going to save his production much because defenses are going to key in on him coming out of the backfield because they really have no receivers to draw away attention here. Uh, I think at best he's going to be an unreliable low-end RB2, high-end RB3 right now. Um, certainly not where he was going ADP-wise. And then Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones were just, you know, they were the most targeted Bills receivers, but I'm not sure how much that's going to count for production-wise here. 
Um, as you said, basically avoid all the Buffalo Bills players if you can help it in fantasy. Um, Zay Jones can be dropped if he's rostered for some reason. Uh, although I, I would consider holding on to Kelvin Benjamin here. Uh, I do think he's going to have a, some big weeks here or there. Uh, he still has that big playability, and he'll be a boomer bust wide receiver for. No surprises here. Chargers. Honestly, I'm taking the Chargers too, but given the Chargers track record, it would not shock me if they choked this game. Oh, they've changed that. Come on. Have they? No, no, they haven't. Minnesota at Green Bay, NFC North showdown. I loved this offseason landing spot for Kirk Cousins, as you all well know, and it paid early dividends with a 20-point day. This is a good offense and a defense that shouldn't ask Captain Kirk to do too much, limiting turnovers and allowing playmakers to make plays. Quarterback one just about weekly for me. Diggs and Thielen are weekly starters. Sometimes you'll get wide receiver one lines from both of them, sometimes from one of them, sometimes wide receiver two lines from, from both of them, but you will not be left too unhappy. Uh, this week, Adam Thielen, six catches, 102 yards. Diggs, three for 43 with a touchdown. Dalvin Cook struggled a bit on the ground, 16 carries for 40 yards. His stat line was helped a bit with his six catches for 55 yards. Touchdowns are coming. Just be patient. Uh, if there was a surprise, it was the low volume for Kyle Rudolph, who did end up with one catch for a touchdown. Uh, this is just an all-around good offense that will probably not necessarily go out of its way to win you single-handedly any weeks, but they definitely won't lose them for you either. Uh, Latavius Murray, in my opinion, must be owned. He becomes a running back one if anything happens to Delvin Cook. Yeah, I, I think I like Latavius Murray as a handcuff, but I don't think he's a must-own for me. It, it really depends on the league and roster size, but um, he certainly is one of those very high upside handcuffs. We saw what he was able to do last year after Cook uh, left. And Cousins, he'll be a fine low-end QB1 here at Green Bay. Uh, Cook will be an RB1, and I do both. I do have both Thielen and Diggs as low-end wide receivers. Twos, though I prefer Thielen again this week. Um, the lack of targets for Rudolph is worrisome. I would drop him to just a high-end tight end two right now until we see more involvement in this passing attack. I mean, you would think Kirk Cousins would target the tight end more given how much he liked you know, going to Jordan Reed, but Rudolph isn't that same dynamic receiving threat. Um, he's going to be very touchdown dependent, and I, I don't know that you can put him in the in that tight end one territory just yet. All right, uh, now Green Bay. This is the moment we all been waiting for, right? I'm I'm not going to go too too in depth here. Green Bay Green Bay gave me a tough pill to swallow. There there's there's no question here. Too many emotions on this roller coaster of a game versus the Bears. You know what? No, let's just stick to fantasy news. Rodgers obviously left injured and returned to the second half. Jamal Williams dominated the carries and running back work, but will be just a low end running back two this week versus Green Bay um, next or versus uh, Minnesota. Sorry. Next week, Aaron Jones does come back from suspension. Ty Montgomery may come into play more if Green Bay finds themselves in a hole. But surprisingly, he, he didn't this game, uh, even when they were down three scores to Chicago. So I'd keep him firmly on the bench for now. Uh, Devontae Adams, we all know, is a wide receiver one. Randall Cobb showed us why he was horribly undervalued in drafts this year. Still inexplicable. I, I think he had a point to prove. I think he did a couple fantasy drafts of his own, and he made that point, leading the team in targets, receptions, and yards with 9 of 10 for 142 yards and a touchdown that, of course, late fourth quarter, back-breaking, gut-wrenching, vomit-inducing touchdown against the Bears. 
Geronimo Ellison makes for a reasonable flex option, just not this week versus Minnesota, in my opinion. Not that many points to be scored here. And Jimmy Graham uh, made his Packers debut, held to two catches for eight yards. He will have better weeks, but he's a third-tier tight end, depend, uh, touchdown-dependent tight end. Um, yeah, so I, I know you don't want to get into it too much, but I do have two points that I want to bring up about the Bears-Packers game last night. And number one is it actually reminded me quite a bit of the Super Bowl a couple years ago between New England and, and Atlanta because there, there wasn't really any oh. one thing to blame. Uh, you know, Trubisky played more or less a, a pretty decent game, um, but, you know, Nagy kind of holed up uh, at a certain point and tried to play to not lose, and you can't do that against Aaron Rodgers. You need to stay aggressive. And at the same time, they didn't use the run game enough. Uh, and then just errors on defense uh, with Kyle Fuller dropping the interception. It was really just a perfect storm of bad things happening. And um, my second point here is, uh, or I guess it's more of a question. I distinctly recall you texting me midway uh, during the, th the second quarter of that game saying that you wish that Aaron Rodgers would return so that the Bears could oh. beat the Packers with him there. Oh, uh, no. do, you, do you regret that text at all? Hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend, as, as we all well know. You know who? You know? You know what's a bigger regret though, more than me regretting that text? I bet Matt Nagy regrets not running on third and one with two and a half minutes left. That's that's who I bet regrets something. Yep, uh, can't disagree there. But uh, let's move on. <laughs> oh um, gosh, what are you trying to do to me, Mung? Come on. <laughs> Um, but back to fantasy here. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Aaron Rodgers is just a low-end QB1 for me this week. Um, he looked just exposed in the first half against that Chicago pass rush. Uh, but Minnesota has a much better, better defensive line and a much better secondary. Uh, in fact, one of the top ones in the league. And even though Rodgers is saying he's going to play and he's going to be healthy enough to play, uh, he's not going to be super mobile, and that could lead to some rough sledding against this Vikings defense here. Um, likewise, Adams for me, uh, you know, he is a wide receiver one for the season, but just a mid-range wide receiver two for me this week going up against Xavier Rhodes. Um, you're hoping he beats him on a, on a quick slant touchdown in the red zone or something like that, but I'm not expecting a huge game from Adams here. Uh, I do like Cobb as a low-end wide receiver two this week, though. I expect a lot of quick throws to protect Rodgers from that pass rush and that should lead to some more targets for Cobb here uh, Allison I think is interesting for season for excuse me for the season uh, but I would avoid him as well this week as just a boomer bust wide receiver for uh, again this Minnesota team is very good uh, and finally we've discussed the the misplaced hype here for Jimmy Graham uh, I think he's still a viable low-end tight end one option for the rest of the season uh, but again, uh, the theme here, as I've mentioned with all these other players, is I'm dropping him in my ranks for this week against the Vikings with an Aaron Rodgers that's basically defenseless if they are able to get at him because he's not going to be able to run around outside the pocket like he usually does. Uh, Graham is just a, a mid to high end tight end two for me this week. Wow. Uh, you really made a strong case against Green Bay there, and that narrative sounds great and all, but... Uh... The news here, unfortunately, is the Chicago pass rush may be better than the Minnesota pass rush now, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine against it. Give me Green Bay at home. Uh, I will I will take Minnesota on the road. I really do think that they're a very good team here, and, and they're going to take this one. Hope you're right. 
Carolina at Atlanta. I was not impressed by Carolina this week. They won the game, sure, but they were not efficient or effective versus a poor Dallas team. Cam Newton kept his quarterback one-scoring status due to his 60 yards and rushing touchdown with just 160 yards and zero touchdowns through the air. Christian McCaffrey went 10 carries, 50 yards, with six of nine receiving for 45 to C.J. Anderson, seven carries for 35 yards. I'm just expecting better, and maybe they just need some time to work out the kinks here. Maybe it was because of the injury to Greg Olson. He left with a walking boot on that same foot that cost him his season last year. Um, for what it's worth, the volume should be there for Christian McCaffrey, Devin Funches, and maybe D.J. Moore sooner than later if Greg Olson misses the rest of the season or, or extended time. Yeah, by the way, just a quick game update here. Uh, your boy Quincy Nunwa, nice little touchdown there, huh? There you go. Yep. Um, but back to the Panthers here. I, I do think Newton's going to struggle a little bit, uh, having to adjust to no Greg Olson again, uh, passing-wise. But his rushing generally makes up for that. Uh, I'm not too worried about starting Newton here. Um, another reason is that Atlanta also lost Keanu Neal to an ACL injury during that Eagles game. So we'll see how well this secondary holds up without him. Um, I think Cam will be a fine QB1. And McCaffrey, I think, is going to bounce back as well. He vastly outsnapped C.J. Anderson, even in the red zone around the goal line. So I would not panic if you own McCaffrey here. Um, still believe that he will finish the season as a PPR RB1, especially with Greg Olson out uh, for at least a few weeks, if not the entire season with this new foot injury that we're still waiting more information on. Um, I, I do think that McCaffrey is going to get even more targets going forward in the passing game if Olson's going to be out. As for the receivers here, I really didn't like Devin Funches going into the season, but with Olsen out, I like him much more again. Uh, he'll be a high and wide receiver three for me this week. Uh, and finally, Ian Thomas is the rookie that's likely to play most of the snaps at tight end in Olsen's absence. Um, he'll be a little inconsistent as a rookie tight end, but Thomas has a shot to finish the year as a low-end tight end one in PPR if he and Newton can get on the same page here. Uh, McCaffrey, Funches, and Thomas are all going to be beneficiaries here with Olsen out. Um, I, I would hold off on adding DJ Moore just yet until we see more, but uh, <laughs> I th <laughs> I th that was unintentional. Um, but uh, I, I do think he's worth adding to your watch list or maybe adding in deeper leagues. Yeah, click that little flag, click that little star. Um, definitely better waiver wire additions this week, uh, though. Um, for the Falcons, their offense started the season more than a little rocky with Matt Ryan struggling against a great Philly pass rush. This is a big week for him, in my opinion. Um, the ball looked a little slow out of his hand. If that continues, maybe look elsewhere in the coming weeks. If not, he should be a flat, fine fill-in uh, streaming quarterback. Julio rocked the house to the tune of 10 catches, 169 yards on 19 targets. Not great efficiency, and I put that on Matt Ryan, but, but the numbers are there. Uh, Devontae Freeman went six carries for 36 yards with three catches to Tevin Coleman's, nine carries for 19, uh, and getting in the red zone touchdown to Tevin Coleman. The red zone struggles continued in a, in a mighty way here versus Philadelphia, but it's hard, it's hard to say how much uh, was this offense's fault versus the Philly defense. For now, Freeman's a running back too. Coleman's a lower-end flex play for me, pending how Freeman's knee looks this week. Uh, a big week for Atlanta here, week two, early in the season. Um, honestly, I think too much blame is being placed on Matt Ryan here because personally, I blame Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, he's not necessarily a bad offensive coordinator, but he's just 
he's no Kyle Shanahan. And honestly, I don't think that Ryan, I don't think Ryan's play has declined at all, if that makes sense, since that MVP season. It's just that the plays are different and not as good because Shanahan knows how to scheme guys open. He knows how to get those red zone looks and when he knows how to exploit the weaknesses when he sees them. Uh, whereas Steve Sarkeesian unwittingly or some for some crazy reason decided to run four goal line plays without Julio Jones on the field. I don't understand that. Um, so I don't think it's a, it's a question of skill or play for Matt Ryan. I think it's just not, you know, optimum play calling here, but regardless, uh, I do think Ryan's going to re- rebound at home against the softer defense than Philadelphia. Um, but he's going to be what he's always been, and that's an unreliable low-end quarterback one in fantasy who's going to disappear at times uh, when he's not being coached by Kyle Shanahan. Now, I do want to mention Devontae Freeman because the reports on his knee seem positive. Um, but it, I think it could be related to that PCL sprain from the preseason, and I feel like those type of knee injuries linger, especially for running backs. Um, I don't know that Freeman's going to be a a must-sell, but I'm just going to say that personally I'm very nervous about his durability to hold up for the entire season. Um, If I owned him anywhere in redraft, I'd probably be sending out some offers to the Tevin Coleman owners. Uh, And even if I didn't own Freeman, I would see what the Coleman owner would want for him because I do think there's going to be more than a few games here where Coleman's going to out-touch Freeman. Of course, assuming he plays, you're starting Freeman as a low-end RB1. Um, I also like Coleman here as a low-end RB2 this week or a high-end flex play. And he may even see more work if Atlanta wants to give Freeman some fewer snaps just to maintain that knee. Uh, Of course, you're starting Julio, but no one else on the Falcons really bears mentioning right now. Sanu's just a wide receiver four, uh, and Calvin Ridley hasn't shown up yet despite the rookie hype. Uh, and Austin Hooper is as mediocre as ever. Despite all that, uh, I'm going to take the uh, the Falcons at home. Neither of these teams have impressed me through week one, though. Uh, I will take the Falcons at home as well, although I will say that Matt Stafford here is looking like Matt Ryan uh, against the Eagles tonight. <laughs> Houston at Tennessee, uh, 13 points. This is exhibit A of why you don't draft a second-year running quarterback coming off ACL surgery as your quarterback, too. Hope you listen to us. This should be a better week for Deshaun Watson, and if you drafted him, you're clearly starting him. Uh, Lamar Miller quietly had a solid day, 20 carries, 98 yards, and, of course, a touchdown was scored by Al Blue, of all people, not Lamar Miller. Uh, Miller just doesn't excite me. I I guess he's a running back, too, though. Uh, In Will Fuller's absence, Bruce Ellington got eight targets, four catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. I I really just want DeAndre Hopkins, though. Uh, You definitely can't trust a repeat for Bruce Ellington here. Yeah. um, By the way, is it too late to change my pick to the Jets against uh, the Dolphins next week here? Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, I'll I'll allow it. No, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I'll I'll stick with Miami. Um, I'm too soft. You're welcome. But certainly the Lions look terrible tonight. Um, But speaking of Alfred Blue. uh, Would you say that in the jungle the Lions are sleeping tonight? Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't know if you heard, but our our producer Dan had a big, big sigh right there, and I'm I'm not Audible really, sh- I'm not really groan. sure how to respond to that, so I'm just gonna move on here, um, because 
I, I I myself am quite angry at Alfred Blue. Not not for what he did, but just taking away from Lamar Miller because I own Miller in almost all of my leagues this year. Uh, you, you know, we talked in the preseason show just how high on him. Uh, but that said, he still had a very good game. Uh, I, I'm definitely not panicked. As a Miller owner, uh, he played by far the most snaps uh, and then just got vultured by Alfred Blue. But say la vie. Um, Bill O'Brien loves blue and short yard situations for some reason, uh, but Miller was that workhorse back, and he's still going to be a fine mid-range RB2 this week in PPR. Uh, of course, you're starting Hopkins, and Will Fuller may be ready to go this week, and, and if he's active, uh, I would rank him as a mid-level wide receiver three, assuming that hamstring is healed. Uh, this offense may be better in general if they get Fuller back as that deep threat. Um, and as you said, uh, certainly Deshaun Watson was going way, way too high ADP-wise, but uh, the talent's still there. He's still got the arm. Uh, we may or may not see him run as much this year, but um, I wouldn't be worried about starting him uh, against Tennessee here this week. Not to get a little too cheeky or tricky with uh, roster construction, but what do you think of um, if you happen to have an IR spot on your team that you're not – really using for anything uh, going ahead and stashing Dante Foreman on your on your IR list he he's on the pup for the first uh, for the first about half the season it's usually about six weeks that they're allowed to stay on that yeah uh, obviously it depends on your league's you know rules and roster settings but if you have the space uh, it looks like uh, let me look it up real quick it looks like Foreman's owned in 5.1 percent of ESPN leagues which is much lower than I expected actually um, and then in terms of Yahoo leagues, let's see here, um, Dante Foreman is owned in only 6%. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, if you if you are able to put a suspended player on IR, uh, depending on settings, then I would keep Aaron Jones or Mark Ingram for sure. But if you have that slot just sitting there, there's no reason, uh, you know, if you're going to make some waiver moves anyway week one, go ahead and drop someone and add Foreman before you add whoever else you're going to be taking. Those are real-time percentages, at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. For the Tennessee side of the football, uh, tough times for Tennessee. Gosh, losing Mariota with the elbow. We don't know what's coming of that just yet. Losing Delaney Walker for the season. Um, clearly, Blaine Gabbert is not going to be good for your fantasy hopes here. Uh, Deion Lewis got most of the passing work and later game work with 10 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown with 5 of 8 receiving for 35 yards. And I know I mentioned it in our past episode, but I think I was too conservative saying Lewis should be drafted closer to Henry. I should have said he he should be drafted higher than Derrick Henry, especially if this offense is going to be down a few of the playmakers. Uh, Henry's day had 10 carries for just 26 yards and one catch, but he had one huge run that was called back uh, by a penalty. And despite tight coverage, Corey Davis was looked to as the top wide receiver with 13 yard targets converting just six for 62 yards better days are ahead uh, he's a hopeful flex play for me hopefully that talent will win out over the course of the season and hopefully Blaine Gabbert can get it done for him or Marcus Mariota heals up uh, we've seen plenty of top wide receivers top top talent wide receivers su succeed on poor teams but we've seen a lot of failures too unfortunately uh, I, I'm a big Corey Davis fan as uh, as I'm sure you know Mung I, I just I just hope he can start to get it together 
Yeah, and supposedly Mariota's right elbow injury is minor. Uh, he'll be questionable for week two, but definitely something to monitor throughout the week. If Mariota is out, I honestly bench Corey Davis as well, unless you really have no other options. Uh, for me, Davis is just a wide receiver three or flex right now until we see more from Gabbert um, or that we see Mariota's arm is 100% healthy here. Uh, poor Delaney Walker, he's done for the season with that ankle dislocation fracture. Go get Jonu Smith. Uh, if you need tight end help, Smith is going to step into a lot of targets with Walker out. And he looked good last year when he filled in for Walker. And finally, the hotly debated question of Deion Lewis versus Derrick Henry seems to have been answered. Uh, and Lewis far outsnapped Henry, but I will say this. I would absolutely not drop Derrick Henry if I owned him. Lewis is oft injured, and Henry would step into a very large role if and when Lewis misses time. For now, obviously, bench Henry, and Lewis is an RB3 or flex play, but again, do not drop Derrick Henry. Henry's such a, such a tough sort of player to sit on because he was a highly, highly touted running back coming out of college, and it's not that he's failed like a lot of these guys, like Darren McFadden, like like. You know, the, like top tier running backs that don't uh, that don't pan into anything. He just hasn't had sustained opportunity. Anyways, um, I'll take Houston in this game. This defense is going to shut down and beat up Tennessee. Yep, give me Houston as well. Arizona at the L.A. Rams, kicking off your 4 p.m. Eastern games. The Cardinals actually surprised me here versus Washington uh, with their pure ineffectiveness. Uh, nothing, though, really changed uh, my ideas heading into the game versus the Rams. Obviously, L.A. has a great defense, so avoid Bradford, fade Larry, fade uh, uh, David Johnson, and don't start anybody else. I think that covers it. Um, I'm not surprised by Ooh. Arizona. Ouch. Uh, I mean, they ch they have a new head coach, a, a new quarterback, a new offensive scheme. Um, I really faded David Johnson in the preseason. Uh, I, I didn't like his ADP, and I really don't love him this year overall, but his talent is so high that he is still a low-end RB1 this week in PPR, even against the Rams. Um, I just don't think he's a, a top-four guy in that elite tier that basically everyone put him in. Um, for me, if Fitzgerald's still a target monster, he should be a fine high-end wide receiver too this week as well. Uh, and I agree that I'm really not touching anyone else on the Cardinals and, until we see some signs of life here. Top five jerseys in the league, though. Really love those uh, those uniforms, especially their, their black and red alternates. For L.A., uh, we obviously haven't seen them play yet, but I'm expecting good things uh, based on Washington's success versus Arizona. Gurley is obviously a top play at running back. Cup should be a fine wide receiver, too. Woods should be fine. Uh, uh, but he may have a little trouble on the outside versus the uh, Arizona secondary. I'd, I'd, I'd roll the dice on him. I'd give him a go personally. Um, and Brandon Cooks, you know, new team, new look. Hope you have different options, but there's worse things you can do than start him against Arizona. Um, first off, I'm going to go back real quick to that lion sleeping thing that you said, and I'm pretty sure the lion's just dead at this point because LeGarrette <laughs> Blunt just left the field with some sort of knee injury, and now Matt Stafford just got demolished by two guys, and he's down oh on the field. Oh, my gosh. So. Mufasa, no. Yeah. Um, the, this. Oh, man, this is not at all how I expected this game to play oh out. Oh, my gosh. But, um, Jeez, they, well, took the, they, they took the elephant gun to Simba, Nala, Kovu, all of them. <laughs> I don't even know who that last guy was that you said. Um, but regardless, oh, um, we, we may need to, you know, 
revise these projections for the Lions next week, depending on Matt Stafford's health. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on this week. Uh, going back to the Rams, of course you're starting Todd Gurley. Uh, I think Jared Goff will be a fine QB1 this week. Uh, Peterson, I actually expect Patrick Peterson here to shadow Brandon Cooks. So I'm very okay. high on him tonight against Oakland. We'll see how that goes. Uh, that game has not started yet. But I would fade Cooks in week two uh, against that shadow coverage. Um, I like Cup more as a result. Uh, I have him as a mid-level wide receiver two and Woods as a high-end wide receiver three because I expect them uh, to get more targets because of that. Um, Cooks I have as a risky boomer bust flex play this week. Uh, you're basically hoping that he gets away from that coverage on a few design plays by McVay, maybe get a score here or there. Give me the Rams to uh, run away from this team and probably the Rams defense to, to complete the shutout against Arizona that Washington had going most of the game. <laughs> yep, give me the Rams also. Detroit at San Francisco. Uh, well, looking at my notes, things have changed a little bit. Here's what I initially uh, had, that this is an offense I'm excited to see this year. There's a lot of talent on this team, uh, none of which do I know what Jim Bob Cooter plans to do with just yet well apparently the answer is absolutely nothing um and just take him out to pasture tate and jones have not looked good um if stafford's hurt going into next week that changes everything of course as you as you talked about um legarrett blunt was expected to open the season as the starting running back but Kerryon johnson has gotten more of the looks at this point uh, i know this is a cop-out but i i got nothing for you right now i'm sorry um, you know who looks awesome tonight is Kenny Galladay, who's out, tar who's been out targeted eight to three. Uh, Marvin Jones has one catch for eleven yards on three targets so far. Wow. Galladay's got five catches for eighty-eight yards. Um, he's a guy that I was super high on, high on in Dynasty last year, uh, very high on in this year. I took him as my wide receiver four late in a lot of redraft leagues. Um, I, I don't think I put him on the uh, waiver wire section later but let me know because well, that was a mistake uh, that that definitely was a mistake um what but, the heck yeah well i'm definitely i'm gonna add him right now and when we talk <laughs> about the waiver wire ads later uh he's definitely gonna be on there um but uh you know unsu unsurprisingly even before blunt left uh did the jets just score again jeez um all right. Well, anyway. They're world beaters. NFC East uh, divisional champions. They're in the AFC. That's what I meant. AFC East <laughs> divisional champions. Um, New England's geez. done. I mean, based on tonight, yeah, it's not looking good. But um, back to Detroit here real quick. Unsurprisingly, the running game looks terrible. Uh, you know, LeGarrette Blunt being out isn't going to change that all that much. I'm not touching any of these lines running backs in this messy committee. Um, Stafford should be a fine QB one start at San Francisco, assuming he's healthy. Um, I, I'd like to think that this is just, you know, the first game, whatever you want to call it, jitters, whatever. Um, I, I would go back to Stafford here. We'll see if I regret saying these words next week. Um, and for now, Tate is probably the safest Detroit wide receiver. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver, too. He scored that nice touchdown tonight. Um, Marvin Jones, I have him as a wide receiver three or flex play. 
Uh, but I would rank Kevin, or excuse me, Kenny Galladay over Marvin Jones as of right now. Uh, it wow. looks like he's getting more targets. He's certainly being more effective with them. Uh, and I would, yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk more about Galladay in the waiver wire section because I, f- I forgot about him since they hadn't played yet, and I left him off, and he's definitely going to be on there. Um, but with Eric Ebron gone, uh, Luke Wilson ha- has some opportunity, but it looks like He's done exactly nothing tonight, so don't worry about him. Uh, really, it's the it's the Golden Tate and Kenny Galladay show, it looks like. All that said, um, and you might disagree with me here, if anybody in your league does go ahead and drop guys like Golden Tate or Marvin Jones, you, you can't leave them on the waiver wire like that. They're, they're better than well, somebody no on one, your no bench. No one's going to drop Golden Tate. You can't say nobody. You can't say nobody. I mean, well, his... okay, not Golden Tate, but Marvin Jones. Yeah. Or uh, carry on Johnson. I, I, you know, call me crazy, but if if we see lines like this in the next two, three weeks, I, I'm a fan of carry on Johnson. I trade for him if somebody's selling him for, for pennies on the dollar. Well, you, sir, can have him if I owned him anywhere, but... Uh, you, you don't. <laughs> no, I definitely don't. Um, but, you know, uh, that's a fair point. Uh, Jones certainly isn't uh, waiver wire fodder. Uh, he's going to... I think he and Galladay will switch off having big weeks, uh, but at this point, I do prefer Galladay. He's that, you know, athletic freak. He's that, uh, I, I don't want to say Calvin Johnson replacement, but he's the closest they have to him on the roster. Oh, my gosh. Jimmy Garoppolo had an expectedly tough day versus Minnesota. Three interceptions. And, uh, well, I was going to say to try and void him, but uh, after this 37-point drubbing that uh, the Jets are pouring on the uh, on the Lions, I fire him up. Heck. Uh, El Morris and Breida each split the running work, 12 carries for 38 yards and, and 11 carries for 46 yards. It looks to be a full timeshare here, uh, despite the El Morris fumble near the goal line. Uh, hold them both on rosters for now. Better days are definitely on the horizon, um, but I'm not starting either of them just yet, even this week. Uh, Marquise Goodwin was hurt early, but we're not, not expecting... Um, that much for him this week as it is. Uh, George Kittle actually led the team with nine targets, five catches for 90 yards. Um, I, I really like him. I think I undervalued him heading into the season, and I would probably have him higher than somebody of the likes, like Kyle Rudolph, like we talked about earlier this year, uh, earlier this show. Uh, Garcon, Pettis, and Taylor all saw about equal work, five to six targets with Pettis falling in a 40-yard touchdown. Again, I'd hold on them for now uh, in your bench, not in your starting roster. If, if we could go back and redo uh, a draft um, after week one, do you know what I would rank George Kittle in terms of tight ends? Uh, well, with with Olsen and Delaney Walker hurt, Jimmy Graham being Jimmy Garbage, um, maybe maybe tight end five. Tight end three. Um, Whoa. Okay. Okay. Okay, Junior. <laughs> All right. So. I, I will be the first to admit right now that I have a huge man crush on George Kittle. You have a huge man crush on every tight end in the <laughs> NFL that's 6'5 or taller. Listen, you, you're even though you mentioned Kittle, you, you seemed very nonchalant about this game that he had. And let me break it down for you here, Los. All right. Break it down. <laughs> yeah, that's how excited I am right now. I, I can barely contain myself because I've been waiting all night to talk about George Kittle. Dan, watch out. He's getting excited again. <laughs> I loved Kittle coming into the year, 
and he's already exceeded my expectations. Uh, Kittle, quote unquote, only had five catches for 90 yards. Uh, but this is after he dropped a wide open pass that should have been an 80 yard touchdown. All right. Maybe you ought to catch the passes then. He should. Uh, but also, uh, later in that same game, Kittle was wide open in the end zone and Garoppolo overthrew him by an inch or two. That should have been another touchdown right there. Did I mention that all this happened against the elite Minnesota Vikings defense? I Honestly, I think George Kittle has so much upside this year. He can be an elite fantasy tight end in the same tier as Gronk, in the same tier as Travis Kelsey. Uh, my thoughts what, are What about Zach Ertz? I, I have him right there. Ertz is number four for me, right behind Kittle. Wow. He needs to be on in 100% of leagues. Um, had he caught those two passes, that would have been about 200 yards and two touchdowns there against one of the best defenses in the league. Um, whether or not Marquise Goodwin is you know back from that quad contusion that he suffered, Kittle is going to be possibly the top target for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's an absolute athletic freak. Basically, oh. if Kittle is available in your league, go get him right now. Um, we will definitely return to talk more about him in the waiver wire section, but... The rest of San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo threw three interceptions. Oh, my goodness, it's the end of the world. Uh, but he actually played a pretty decent game considering he was playing against Minnesota on the road. Um, I like him in this matchup uh, against Detroit here as a high-end QB2, although I may bump him up a few more spots after what's been going on tonight. Um, and I do agree with your assessment to hold on to both Alfred Morris and Matt Breda for right now although I would give the slight edge to Breda in PPR as I would expect the Niners to trail in quite a few games, um, leading to more receptions for him. Uh, on the other hand, Morris is going to be a little bit more touchdown dependent. Uh, I almost see them as like a Latavius Murray slash Jarek McKinnon duo from Minnesota last year, uh, if that makes sense. And then we'll talk more about Goodwin's quad injury, but he did return to the game against the Vikings, so it seems positive that he'll possibly play in Week 2. Um, and that's all I have about San Francisco here. You've really got those San Francisco uh, rose-colored glasses on, Mung. This is your team. It's it's almost like you should just move there, man. Uh, they're <laughs> not that good. I'm You'll very see. excited about the they're Niners. They're not that good. We'll see. Anyway, that said, I'll take the Niners this game. Uh, wow, Detroit. Jeez. Um, yeah, I actually picked the Niners even before tonight. Yeah, uh, Oakland at Denver, 3.30 p.m. Central, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm very excited to see what sort of product John Gruden has put on this field. Uh, very excited, but horribly unoptimistic. Um, cutting Michael Crabtree, giving Jordy Nelson the same exact contract money, trading a third rounder for a player currently unemployed by the Raiders now, mind you, and suspended for substance abuse, losing their top defender for to the Bears. Uh, maybe this is the perfect storm, but I, I just don't think so. I, I'm pretty much avoiding this team altogether, especially during a week against Denver and Von Miller. Uh, Lynch is a volume, Marshawn Lynch is a volume-based running back three for me. That's all on this team. Yep, I've got Lynch as a low-end RB2 or a high-end RB3 this week. Uh, I do still like Cooper as a high-end wide receiver 3. Um, we'll see if they actually put him in the slot a little bit more. Uh, of course, with Chris Harris there, it's not the greatest matchup this week, but 
I do think there's some upside if he gets a lot of targets. Um, Nelson, a little bit of upside with, as you said, Bryant cut, but uh, he's going to be a very risky start. I'd rather bench him for now uh, if you drafted him. This Denver defense isn't as scary as it was in the years past, but they're still very good. Uh, I'd avoid your boy Jared Cook as well this week. <laughs> okay, Jared. <laughs> He's not my boy. He's the 20th off the board tight end who's going to have a couple a couple tight end one week. So that was my only point. All I right. don't know. You, you seemed very optimistic on him. You, <sighs> you talked for quite a bit about Jared Cook uh, a Denver. few weeks ago. Denver, Case Keenum and company hung 27 points on the Seattle defense. That is a shell of its former self. A similar shell is coming into town in Oakland. Their defense lost their only player, so fire up your Broncos. Sanders and Demaryius Thomas each had 10-plus targets, and I'd use them both as wide receiver twos this week. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a tad worried about this backfield, though. Uh, I'm a Freeman believer. Um now I, I truly believe we need to free the man. I like his talent. I thought I liked his opportunity. But all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay comes out of nowhere, signed out of nowhere, splits the carries. 15 carries for each of them, 71 yards for each of them. Gets in some passing game work and catches that Royce Freeman doesn't get? No. The only recourse, of course, for your for your league is to add Philip Lindsay, especially if you're a Freeman owner. Uh, hopefully this goes under the radar Freeman owners can grab him for cheap. Um, I, I still stick with Freeman over him as a running back three slash flex. And I, I think Freeman will be fine this game as a flex, no matter what they do with Philip Lindsay this week versus Oakland. But Lindsay does need to be on your roster. They're showing uh, that, that they're going with the hot hand here, and they're showing that uh, Vance McDonald just wants to confound me for another year, of course. Um, Devontae Booker's out of the picture now with an injury, so so that at least uh, keeps carries on just two guys instead of three. Um, you meant Vance Joseph, right? You said Vance McDonald, <laughs> who is also wow. confounding, I will say. That's amazing. I, you know, I just realized that there were two Va- – I, I always had a had – a, had an understanding and realization that there were two different Vances in the league that we talk about, but I really never, uh, you know, actually conceptualized it. Yeah. Hey, um, do you think it's possible that Stafford is like colorblind and he sees like the green and white of the Jets uniforms, kind of like blue and silver, blue and white ish? No, I think he just wanted to complete some more passes. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, Case Keenum here uh, looked like Case Keenum. Uh, some really good plays and some really dumb ones. Uh, he'll be a fine low-end quarterback one for fantasy, though, against a pretty horrid Oakland secondary. Uh, I do agree that both Sanders and Thomas are going to be good wide receiver two plays this week, although I'd give Sanders a slight edge. Uh, and actually, while you were talking, I, I was just thinking, if you had to pick a, a wide receiver duo, um, who do you think will score more this week, uh, Sanders and Thomas against Oakland or Thielen and Diggs uh, against Green Bay? Oh, that's a really nice question. Um, I think, so So we talking about touchdowns or combined PPR nope, points? Just PPR points total. Boy, what a rough question. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with um, the Denver boys. Call me crazy. Yep, uh, I will not call you crazy. Uh, I'll take that side as well. I was just curious what you thought. Um, but I certainly like both of them. And uh, as you mentioned, Philip Lindsley, 
uh, Lindsay. Uh, uh, Lin, Lin, Lindsay? Yeah, Lindsay. Public enemy number one. Just call him that. <laughs> um, we'll definitely have him as a suggested waiver wire ad later. Uh, he looked very good as the 1B to Freeman's 1A. I think a, a lot of people, uh, myself included, maybe an- anointed Freeman a little bit too quickly. Um, and speaking of not dropping Marvin Jones, uh, a nice little play by him just now. Um, but... Uh, you know, I, I think he definitely needs to be added. Uh, Freeman's not going to be a workhorse here in this offense, at least not yet. Um, and then finally, as sad as it is, I think Jake Butt doesn't need to be owned right now in redraft leagues, uh, as fun as his name is to incorporate into your fantasy team name. Enough Cinderella stories, Philip. I'm coming for you. You're killing my team, bud. This isn't Invincible. This isn't a Disney movie. Give me Denver at home. Give me Denver, too. <laughs> New England at Jacksonville. The New England defense has clearly improved a bit uh, for, from the last two years without uh, Matt Patricia, uh, despite losing him. And they may pose some trouble for Jacksonville here. Uh, Brady and Gronk are dialed in and awesome, of course. That's all to say about them. Jeremy Hill went down with a knee issue, and Burke had led the running backs with 18 carries, 64 yards, and one catch. Uh, given that they're playing Jacksonville this week, I might try and avoid the running backs other than Burkhead, even with White scoring the receiving touchdown, especially if Sony Michelle is active this week. They're not going to do a ton versus that tough Jackson D anyways. Um, Chris Hogan was held to one catch on five targets for 11 yards. Hopefully that didn't lose your week for you. Uh, again, Jacksonville is tough, and I'm not expecting them better than wide receiver three numbers for him this week. Uh, the elephant in the room is, of course, Philip Dorsett's seven catches, seven targets, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He's a former first-rounder, but we've just seen him be bad, so bad for, for so long. Uh, maybe stash him if you can add him for nothing, but this will not be a good week for him. Uh, Edelman will be back before long. He is fantasy fool's gold. As much as I love my boy Tom Brady, I would drop him to a high-end quarterback two this week for fantasy rankings on the road in Jacksonville. Um, this is just a nightmare matchup for any quarterback, especially playing on the road. I, you know, um, in terms of the running back situation, though, uh, I actually disagree with you. Uh, even with Jeremy Hill tearing that ACL, he'll be out for the year. Um, I, I do think James White will likely be the best play here. I have him as an RB3 or flex play, um, and Burke had just a little bit behind him. Uh, I also do think there's a chance that Sony Michelle will be active, active this week. Um, he seems close to playing, and especially with Hill gone, I think that New England would like to have that running back depth just in case. Um, and then Hogan and Dorsett are both going to be mid-range wide receiver threes for me this week. I, I think hmm. New England's going to move them around a lot and target whoever gets open against not Jalen Ramsey. Basically, um, just play a little you know guessing game with the Jacksonville secondary here. I, I think there's going to be a lot of quick little passes, um, basically dinking and dunking down the field to protect Brady here. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, but... I could get behind that if, if it was just Jalen Ramsey, but they've they've got almost just as good cornerback on the other side of the football. Um, and, and these aren't guys that that are you know that are going to let you catch dink and dunkers. They're in your face constantly. They are they are old school smash mouth cornerbacks, and that's what I like about this team. Either way, we'll see what happens um, for Jacksonville. Fournette came out of this game with a hamstring injury. Hopefully, that's fine. Um, 
We'll see heading into the uh, game. He's a running back one if fully healthy, which he probably won't be. Otherwise, it looks like TJ Yeldon is the back to add and start as a flex play if Fournette is out. He can catch. He can run. He can score touchdowns like he did this week. Uh, the receiving game was pretty ugly. Keelan Cole was the best with three catches for 54 yards. Um, Austin Safarian Jenkins was again robbed of a touchdown, continuing from last year. Just, just, just amazing. I think I'm this guy's biggest cheerleader. Uh, stash the wide receivers if you have room, patience, and nausea of medication, and and especially a deep bench. Uh, this is a no Bortles week for me. Yep, uh, I'm avoiding Bortles. Um, I don't love any of the wide receivers, but Keelan Cole would be my pick here if I had to take one of them. Oh, my goodness. The Jets. Oh, Isaiah Crowell with, like, an 80-yard touchdown or whatever that was. That's <laughs> – jeez, man. 62 yards, close enough. Felt like uh, 800 given what's been going on. But um, in terms of Jacksonville, Fournette is an obvious start if he's healthy, but – uh, if that hamstring injury, you know, keeps him out, Yeldon's going to be a priority pickup this week. He got the majority of the touches after Fournette left the game, and I have Yeldon as a low-end RB2 this week against New England if Fournette is out. Um, Austin's Farron Jenkins, man, that's uh, that's just fantasy heartbreak if you started him anywhere. Um, but he's just a mid-range. You didn't, I'm sure. I did not, but uh, if I did this week, he'd be a mid-range tight end too for me. Yeah, pretty low for me. Um, I think New England's tricky enough to, to trick Blake Bortles into throwing a pick six or two in this game. I, I think take New England on the road. I, I hate, hate to bet against New England, but I'm going to take Jacksonville here for two reasons. Wow. Um, one, I think that Brady is just much more comfortable with Edelman on the field. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I just think that he's going to get forced into some tight throws with receivers like Philip Dorsett or Cordero Patterson who are not going to be 100% on the same page. And that against a defense like Jacksonville, that's going to lead to a turnover. Um, sure. And number two, I think I, this, this might be just ridiculous talk, but somewhere deep down in the recesses of my mind, I feel like Belichick has some trick plays to, to razzle-dazzle Jacksonville, but he's gonna take, he'd rather take a regular season loss to not show his hand here. Yeah, that's a good point, too, I guess. Uh, oh, well. Um, New York Giants at Dallas, leading us into Sunday night football. Uh, I don't really know what to expect from this Giants team this year. There's a ton of holes, but tons of playmakers all around uh, Odell Beckham Jr. speaks for himself Evan Ingram can be great any week Saquon Barkley was bottled up early and then turned in a 106 yard touchdown and a touchdown uh, day with 200 or nope with 22 yards receiving uh, stick with the big two Barkley and Beckham for now and stash uh, Shepard depending on your options he might be a decent flex play this week Dallas is typically better against tight ends with uh, with Sean Lee in the middle which might open up some opportunities for Sterling Shepard yeah it's I mean that's really just Barkley and Beckham for me I don't yeah. I don't have much to add here uh, Gallman seems to be the clear number two in case something does happen to Barkley uh, important to note but other than that that's that's all I got on the Giants not good enough to be owned though do you agree Gallman uh, correct I agree with yeah. that uh, not much to say about Dallas. They gave us about what we expected. Dak has nothing around him. Elliott was practically the whole offense. He's a running back one, uh, uh, you know, 
tons of touches, tons of catches. Prescott is an avoid, of course. The top wide receiver this game was Cole Beasley, as we have sometimes seen in the past. Seven catches, 73 yards, eight targets. He will likely have the most targets again, but but to what end? Um, Hearns and Gallup will continue to try and find their groove in this offense, and Terrence Williams will continue to be awful. In a deep league, consider stashing Hearns a deep league, but that's all. Yeah, um, interesting to note that Cole Beasley did lead all the Dallas wide receivers in terms of snaps played, but not by a very wide margin. Um, I think he'll be a, a, a risk-reward flex play week to week, but um, certainly not a must-start. Uh, Elliott, of course, uh, could could do more, um, but you're happy with what he got you. Uh, he's still an RB1 that you're starting. That That's about it. It's kind of like on the Giants' side. Uh, this is a pretty de- depressing offense with basically two playmakers. Yep. Uh, give me the playmakers for the Giants on the road this game. Yeah, these are always tough to call. I, I feel like Giants-Cowboys games are just crazy things happen, but uh, I'll take the Giants on the road as well. Seattle at Chicago Monday night football tough loss for Seattle who again asked uh, Russell Wilson to be most of the team 300 yards three touchdowns two interceptions including one in the final seconds of the game which you know always upsets fantasy owners but counts against you all the same Chicago's defense will be tough but uh, not quite Denver tough Uh, Baldwin may be missing significant time with a sprained MCL Carson and Penny split carries and catches equally with seven carries and five targets apiece it's too early to tell but my gut says that by week six, Penny's draft capital will win out and he will overtake the backfield. Uh, I don't like either as more than a flex this week in Chicago. I do like the revenge game narrative for uh, Brandon Marshall, though, especially in prime time. In all seriousness, though, I'm not expecting much from a team whose top performer was Will Disley. Very hard to project anything at this time for, for Seattle. Yeah, with Doug Baldwin out for at least a few weeks, it sounds like. Uh, really, I, I think Tyler Lockett's going to be the guy. Um, yeah. I, I think he'll be a, a high-end wide receiver three with upside as long as Baldwin is out. Um, he's a waiver wire, excuse me, waiver wire ad that we'll discuss in just a few minutes here. Um, I would still start Russell Wilson, although uh, I do pose a question for you, which is over or under two and a half sacks by Khalil Mack on Russell Wilson. Oh, of just Khalil Mack? Just Mack. You know what? I'm going to go under just because Russell Wilson knows Khalil Mack. He'll be running away from him, and Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, uh, and Leonard Floyd are going to pick up the sacks this game. Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, that's all I had for Seattle is uh, Russell Wilson uh, and uh, Tyler Eifert. I'm avoiding the running backs altogether. Tyler Lockett. Yeah, Uh, sorry. That's what I meant. as for Chicago, we got this Bears season off to an exciting start, followed by massive heartbreak and disappointment. Just a killer loss to the Packers. Questionable coaching decisions and clock management. We could go into all the negative, but there is a lot of positive. The defense will be tough and must be owned. Uh, the Trub- and Trubisky showed an ability to manage the game well and make a few great plays. But in the second half, the defense of Green Bay adjusted and made, made Mitch into a uh, let's say they exposed him. And unfortunately, despite some nice plays, these pass catchers will not win you weeks to start the season. Things may gel, but I, maybe I'm overly optimistic. But but for now, A-Rob, Allen Robinson is just a wide receiver three. Burton is a low-end tight end option with big-time Travis Kelsey-style potential with Matt Nagy, which may come into fruition, may not. 
you know, probably not this week. Uh, the biggest winner here for me, though, is Jordan Howard. He clearly did some work on his pass catching in the offseason. If you drafted him, you got a running back one at a good price. He didn't leave the field uh, for, for passing downs for uh, for Tariq Cohen and, and did quite well for you this game. Yeah, I'm not going to take any victory laps on Jordan Howard because it's only been one week. But, you know, I, I've said all along that even if he caught zero passes this year, he'd still be a low on RB1. Um, he's just so good on the ground. He finds holes that aren't even there. Uh, but enough about Howard. Um, Cohen, I have Cohen as a flex play. Um, I only have Burton as a, as a high-end tight end, too, this week, given the whole Bobby Wagner roaming over the middle of the field situation. And then Allen Robinson, I'm slightly higher on him than you are. I, I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, this week. But um, I would I would try and fade Trubisky as well. Uh, if you drafted him, uh, he was likely your quarterback, too, anyway. So hopefully you have uh, a better option. Or we'll talk about a couple of quarterbacks later on the waiver wire section that you could add instead to start over him. Don't get me wrong. I, Allen Robinson has, has the talent and the potential for wide receiver one status, but... This offense just isn't uh, isn't doing it for me just yet. Maybe I mean maybe that's a reason to buy low. Yeah, maybe especially in dynasty. Speaking, oh, uh, give me Chicago at home this game on Monday Night Football in the bright lights, big city. Uh, as much as I'd like to, uh, give me Seattle. Oh, zero and two for Matt Nagy's Bears. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of good stuff happening, and I think a lot's starting to come together, but I think it's going to take time. Oh, my gosh. No, don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your bye teams for week two. There are no bye teams for week two. Alrighty. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. You want to talk about some injuries? We saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers. If you're a football fan, you all saw the play um, where the uh, where the defender fell on his left leg. He ended up with a left MCL sprain. He's likely to play next week. Plays against Minnesota, which is a tough defense. If you have strong quarterback options, otherwise I'd consider them. But let's be real, this is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Marcus Mariota ended up with a right elbow injury. We're awaiting more info on exactly what happened. Right now, he's questionable for Week 2. Carson Wentz still rehabilitating that knee, likely out for Week 2 based on reports out of Philadelphia. I think the most recent report is possibly Week 4. Uh, as for the running backs, Leonard Fournette with that right hamstring spray, uh, strain. We're waiting more info, but questionable for week two. Uh, Jacksonville plays mid-afternoon next Sunday, so make sure you have late-game options if you're going to wait and see and see a status. Priority add of TJ Yeldon if you have poor running back options otherwise on your team. Um, good note from, uh, from the head coach of uh, Jacksonville, though. He said that uh, Fournette's str sprain, strain was in the good part of his hamstring so maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing <laughs> Wait, i don't which know part's I don't, I don't, the good I, part i think it's the i think it's the inside part if you know what i mean Devontae freeman <laughs> came out with a knee injury awaiting more info but he was recovering for that pcl sprain in the preseason he may have aggravated that questionable for week two but i'd personally sell him if possible um not for pennies on the dollar of course seems to be something that could linger and cause issues through the season Jeremy Hill torn his ACL out for the season. Look for a bounce back uh, career to his career with uh, with the Patriots. Unfortunately, not. Sony Michel knee surgery questionable for week two. You never know with New England, but it's likely that he will be active this week with Hill done for the year, if only for emergency depth. 
usage will be hard to project. Uh, Marlon Mack strained his hamstring, of course, preseason, questionable for week two. I'd, I'd avoid him anyways with this three-headed probable monster in Indianapolis. Uh, with the wide receivers, Doug Baldwin, that grade two partial MCL tear. He is officially out week two, probably three to four more weeks. Uh, it's not the knee that he had issues with preseason, but regardless, it's going to knock him out. Marquise Goodwin with a quadriceps contusion, probable for week two after leaving uh, the game twice versus Minnesota, but returning. Deshaun Jackson had a concussion questionable for week two. Every concussion is different, but he faces Philadelphia next week anyway, so I would have probably benched him anyways as a boomer bust um, wide receiver three or flex play. Elshon Jeffrey with that rotator cuff surgery will likely still be out week two, and Wentz will not be there. I'm not risking it with Foles out there. Will Fuller strained his hamstring as well, questionable for week two. Flew with the team to New England this past week, so he seems like he's close to ready. Just keep an eye on updates through the week. And then, of course, the unfortunate tight ends. Every tight end had a bad week this week, except for Grock, basically. But Greg Olson's was exceptionally bad, doubtful for week two with a right foot injury. We're awaiting more info um, on whether it's a sprain or a fracture, but... We saw this in the past with a number of guys, uh, most notably Des Bryant with repeat foot, um, small bones of the foot injuries that just sort of nag and keep you out of games. Delaney Walker, right ankle dislocation fracture, is out for the season. You can drop him. He's done. Yep. Uh, but where's, where there's darkness, there's also light. Aww. because uh, for all these players who may be out week two, uh, you certainly have waiver wire ads who may help you instead. Um, one note before we get into all these is I would avoid Ry uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, don't get suckered into that uh, amazing week one performance. He's got a very, very tough matchup here. Um, Case Keenum, another home game, uh, this time against what should be a pretty terrible Oakland defense and secondary. Uh, he should be a nice streaming option or a high-end QB2 this week. He's only 12.9% owned in ESPN leagues and only 25% owned in Yahoo leagues. And uh, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, however he says it, 36.9% uh, owned in ESPN, 12% Yahoo. Um, only if you're desperate, but Taylor's a high-risk, high-reward option at New Orleans, uh, and they just made Ryan Fitzpatrick look like Aaron Rodgers, so... Uh, Taylor has that upside this week and is not afraid to take those big shots downfield. Uh, running back-wise, uh, there's a couple names I'm going to mention here, probably owned, but uh, you never know. James Conner, 87.9% owned in ESPN leagues, 85% owned in Yahoo. Uh, goes without saying here that you're spending all of your fab dollars or your number one waiver priority, whatever it is, on Conner. Uh, if, in your, your, if you're in that 15%-ish of leagues where he's still available. Um, uh, important to note that I do play in a couple of leagues that draft early and don't allow preseason waivers, so go ahead and get him if that is the case for you as well. Um, similarly, Adrian Peterson, 84.9% owned on ESPN, 87% owned in Yahoo!, uh, if he's not owned, he needs to be. Washington showed that Peterson is the guy for right now. Uh, they've got a good offense and a good offensive line for Peterman to be a weekly RB2 or maybe even more. Philip Lindsay, Lindsay, I don't know why I can't say his last name. Uh, he uh, is only owned in 1.9% of ESPN leagues, 4% Yahoo. Uh, Lindsay seems to be the clear 1B to Royce's 
uh, 1A, and he got more of the receiving work. So he's a decent flex option, and he'll be a handcuff uh, with RB2 upside if Freeman were to miss any time. TJ Yeldon we discussed as well, 8% owned in ESPN, 15% owned in Yahoo. Uh, if Fournette is out week two or longer, Yeldon seems to be a workhorse back in his stead and was pretty effective against the Giants. He'll be a low-end RB2 in PPR if Fournette is gone. Uh, Jaborius Allen or Buck Allen, 13.4% owned on Yahoo, or excuse me, on ESPN, 3% owned on Yahoo. Collins is still going to be the starter in Baltimore here, but uh, with Lindsey and Freeman uh, in Denver, uh, much in the same way, Allen's going to get more of the receiving work here. Uh, and he was involved in the red zone. He's a decent RB3 reflex option that's widely available, uh, and he's also a handcuff for Collins with upside. Austin Eckler here, 11% uh, owned in ESPN, 17% owned in Yahoo. Uh, clearly behind Melvin Gordon, but he's going to be a boomer bust running back option uh, and will have RB2 upside if Gordon misses time. And for the wide receivers, I made a note here uh, to talk about Kenny Galladay. Uh, can't forget about him. 58.0% owned in ESPN leagues and 53% owned in Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's shown a lot of upside tonight, and uh, he needs to be owned here. He's potentially the wide receiver, too, now uh, behind Golden Tate uh, as far as fantasy is concerned. Mike Williams, 34.8% owned on ESPN, 60% owned on Yahoo. He seems to be that clear number two wide receiver behind Keenan Allen. And Antonio Gates looks old. Williams has that weekly wide receiver three upside. Tyler Lockett, 53.8% owned in ESPN, 51% in Yahoo. Uh, with Seattle using that running back by committee and a tight end by committee, Lockett should see a lot more targets as long as Baldwin's out. He's got wide receiver two upside during this time, and he'll still be a deep threat and a boomer bust wide receiver three even when Baldwin returns. Lockett should be owned. Philip Dorsett, we mentioned briefly, 4.7% owned in ESPN, 4% in Yahoo. The clear number two wide receiver right now with Edelman out. And uh, even when Edelman returns, Dorsett's going to be a deep threat, and he's shown some chemistry with Brady here. He's a low-end wide receiver two or high-end wide receiver three, depending on the matchup for the next few weeks. Uh, and then after that, he'll just be a boom or bust flex play likely. Deshaun Jackson. 41.8% owned in ESPN, 26% Yahoo. Uh, week one is probably the best performance we're going to see from him this year, but Jackson's always been a boomer bust guy. He's going to be a wide receiver three each week once he clears that concussion protocol, uh, high floor, or excuse me, high upside, low floor kind of play. Um, similarly, Chris Godwin, 34.0% in ESPN, 30% in Yahoo. Uh, despite some flashy catches, including a touchdown, that snap share and target share would indicate that Deshaun Jackson's still the number two behind Evans when healthy, but Godwin does have wide receiver two upside if Jackson misses some time. When both are on the field, Godwin's likely just a high-variance wide receiver four. Uh, he's probably a sexier name, but I would still take Jackson over Godwin if you're going to add one of these guys off waivers. Cole Beasley, we mentioned, 12.5% owned in ESPN. 8% in Yahoo. Dallas's offense looked pretty bad, but, you know, Beasley was the most targeted on dump-offs due to their offensive line issues. He's got low upside, but high floor as a PPR wide receiver three or flex play. Geronimo Allison here, 9.2% owned in ESPN, 12% in Yahoo. Uh, Allison's going to be the clear number three guy here behind Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. 
And while Jimmy Graham's low targets in week one were in partly due to good coverage by the Bears over the middle, Allison's going to get those one-on-one -on -one matchups as long as Adams and excuse me, Allison's going to get one-on-one -on -one matchups as long as Adams and Cobb are there. He's going to have his up and downs, but he should be a decent wide receiver for play. And if Adams were to miss time, Allison is one of those rare wide receiver handcuffs. Ryan Grant we discussed as well, 9.7% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo. Uh, the Colts are going to need to throw a lot given the state of their defense. And Grant tied Nahum Hines for third in targets behind T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle. I'm not sold on Hines yet with Marlon Mack returning soon, and I'm not sold on Grant yet, but there's some PPR upside here if Grant can stay the number three target for luck this season. Dante Pettis, 0.8% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about him too much, but Pettis flashed a little bit with Goodwin coming in and out of the game against the Vikings. Um, Goodwin's likely to play week two, but he's always been dinged up, and Pettis has some wide receiver three upside as the best deep threat behind Goodwin on that offense. Uh, more for a deep league ad, but definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And then finally, Brandon Marshall, as Lowe suggested, a possible revenge game narrative here. 5.7% owned in ESPN, 7% in Yahoo. Marshall's going to be a touchdown-dependent wide receiver for for the most part. But again, with Baldwin out for a period of time, Marshall can be a decent flex play in the short term. Uh, George Kittle, uh, we, we talked about him at length. 37.2% owned in ESPN, 75% owned in Yahoo. Quite a big discrepancy there between the two sites. Um, but as I said earlier, uh, I'm not going to go through all the info again, but uh, you can rewind if you want. Uh, he's got the potential to finish as an elite top three tight end here in fantasy. Um, go get him if you lost Olsen or Walker. Uh, and even if you have Gronk or Kelsey, go get Kittle. Janu Smith, 0.2% owned in ESPN, 1% in Yahoo. With Walker out for the year, Smith will be that tight end one in Tennessee. Uh, remains how effective the offense is going to be overall, but Smith should be a lock to finish as a low-end tight end one or better in PPR given the target share that the Titans throw to the tight end. Benjamin Watson, 35.4% owned in ESPN, 39% in Yahoo. Uh, Thomas and Kamara are the, the guys in New Orleans, but Watson and Ginn will still be involved. And with defenses focusing on those two main targets, Watson can get open over the middle of the field and in the red zone. Uh, I see him as a high-end tight end two, maybe even a low-end tight end one some weeks. Ian Thomas we talked about as well, 0.3% owned in ESPN, 0% in Yahoo. Thomas is the replacement for Greg Olson in Carolina, and even though he's not going to see the same number of targets that Olson would have, Thomas will still have tight end one potential if he and Cam Newton establish some chemistry here. Uh, with tight ends so hit or miss after Gronk, uh, anyone's worth a look. Finally, I mentioned him briefly as well, but Jesse James, 1.7% owned in ESPN, 4% owned in Yahoo. As long as Vance McDonald's out, James is going to play the majority of the snaps at tight end in Pittsburgh, and he's quietly been a decent PPR tight end streamer now for a couple years, much like Heath Miller was before him. James is going to be a short-term answer at tight end, uh, but he'll be a good start, especially against Kansas City this week. You know what? You taunted me on this. I thought about it. And I think I've got to make a special shout-out here. If all those guys get added and you don't have a tight end, you went down with Delaney Walker, you went down with the ship with Greg Olson, have no fear because this week's Los's unowned tight end one of the week. Jared Cook? 
is Jared Cook. Oh, oh no. Tight end one finish. Book it. Perfect storm. Uh, Perfect storm. Against who? They're playing the who? They're playing Denver. Oh, Denver. Who just, who just allowed who to, to have like 300 yards and a touchdown? Man, but you know you know the cornerbacks That's are right. going to get That's chewed right. Will out. Disley. That's right. Will Disley. So you're saying, you're yep. saying that Jared Cook is going to be a top 12 tight end in PPR this week in week two. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I'll take that bet. I say no way. All right. You know what? I mean, we could make it a bet. Or you know what? I, I sort of like the idea of having a, a Los's undrafted tight end uh, or unowned tight end special. Maybe we can get it sponsored by somebody. <laughs> we, we can go with that. Sure. All right. Cool. But yeah, we can make it a bet. That's fine. First part of the season on Jared Cook. Wow. That's uh, we're really we're really uh, trudging through the mud here, folks. I, I think the uh, product sponsor should be some sort of uh leech for unwanted hair in areas of your body that are disgusting because that's that's the first thing that i think of when i think of jared cook how about roll age or something <laughs> um <clears throat> we'll uh we'll, we'll shoot their marketing department email and see what they say i know um, you got connections i would not i would not uh start off with jared cook though i'm i'm doing it tight end one book it all right we will see but oh my Good lord, another turnover. Uh the Jets oh my ugh. I I this can this game end? I wanna see the same thing happen between Oakland and the Rams. <laughs> um anywho, that will do it. Uh I think we went over by quite a bit this week. First week Ooh, back. We were way too excited. So excited about all the football things going on, just ugh. I, so many things, so much football things. So much football, so little time, but yeah. Hopefully, you guys are all starting your seasons 1-0. and uh, But if you do happen to be starting your seasons 0-1, just remember it's a very long season. There's plenty of time. The draft is only a very small portion of fantasy. Uh, keep vigilant. What's that? What about the Browns? I, I can't hear you at all. I'm not recording. Oh, well, our, our producer, Dan... Uh, you could uh, in a very small percentage of leagues. You you may be starting 0 and one uh, as our producer Dan just pointed out. Dan um, probably still plays in those leagues that don't allow fractional points. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you might say he's a a John Gruden of sorts. That's right. Taking it back to the old school. If you don't if you don't get those ten full yards, you're not getting a point, Mister. I don't care if you had ninety nine yards or not. That that is very correct. Uh, go big or go home. Um, yep. Anywho. Speaking uh, of going home, let's take this show home. We yep. had a lot of fun. We hope you had fun with us, too. Uh, we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, Mung, give us those Twitter shout-outs. Yep. Uh, if you got questions specific to your league or your situation, you can always find us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. And you can also thank our uh, mega, ultra, amazing producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. Dan Gruden. Um, anyway, <laughs> as always... <laughs> Well, uh, that will wrap up week one here. Again, best of luck. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. 
the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.